Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I played basketball growing up. That was my shit. And yeah. because of pandemic, have not I hadn't played basketball in like a year and a half. And literally on Saturday played for the first time. And now I'm not sure I'm ever gonna touch my toes. Again. So you know, it's <laughs> it's one of them things where you just like, oh, I didn't use these muscles and I regret every choice I've made now. Listen, but once you get it back, it could, it could always come back. But I understand as a grown man, you're like, I don't think I can take this chance anymore. No, <laughs> it's I not worth. It's not worth it. You got to let it I'm go. I'm 34. I don't know what this these wrists are for anymore. I'm yeah. not going to dunk. I never could dunk. <laughs> it ain't happening. You know what I mean? Yep, yep, yep. There it is. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another spectacular episode of My Mama Told Me, the podcast where we dive deep, deep into the pockets of black conspiracy theories. And we finally work to prove that Henrietta Lacks cured polio and more importantly, cured people from naming their child Henrietta. Nobody wants to name their kid Henrietta anymore, and it's because of you, Henrietta Lacks. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for all the work that you did helping us figure out a bunch of shit with cancer and diseases 
And I'm sorry the government treated you the way that they did. But maybe if your mom didn't name you Henrietta, we would have respected you more. Hard to know. Anyway, I'm your host, Langston Kerman. As always, I'm coming in. I am misbehaving. I am not acting the way that I'm supposed to. This is my personality at all times, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not sure how to fix it. But you know who has a lovely personality? You know who shines every time I see her? She's she's just a, a lovely person, a hilarious person. Most importantly, a hilarious person. Secondly, a lovely person, but she's great. You know her from her work on Comedy Central. So funny. Give it up for my guest, Miss Amina Imani. Hey, hey. Hey, yeah. what's going on? What? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. How you feeling? I'm chilling. Yeah. I, you know, it's the, the, the temperatures are changing outside. I, I, fall is, I, I fall have is a baby here. coming. Oh, congratulations. You're, yeah, yes. you're a mom. You've I been am. through it. My son is, he turned seven this year. Oh, so shit. So I know, right? I know. Okay, so seven, is that a cool age or is there an age you would prefer he would have just like chilled at? Seven seems to be where it's like, oh, this person has an opinion, a voice. So it's challenging. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't, I can't say I would just chi- like let him chill through because it's not like when he was little, when he was just, you know, messing up around and stuff. But like, Seven is like an age where I like, oh, you have to get to know your kid because everything prior to now is like, that's who you kind of define them as. And now my child is like, I'm defining myself. So that we're in that space. Oh, he's like, look, you, you, you made the song, but I invented the remix. Here we go. You feel me? (laughs) Wiki, wiki coming through hot. You know what I'm saying? Last call might be at 2 a.m. It might be 3 a.m. It depends on my day, you know, that energy. So, (laughs) but congratulations. Congratulations. I love, I miss, they, they always say you would never, like people used to say, you're going to miss the baby. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Cause this is, this is dumb, but no, I do miss it. Cause that's when it was. It's even as complicated as it's going to feel. That's as simple as it gets. <laughs> right. Yeah. This person, this little rubber person with a, a w- unworking neck is probably the easiest. That, that I'm telling you, it person. is. And you're going to be like, what the hell? This is easy. And I'm just telling you, buckle up. <laughs> Damn. All right. Well, what a haunting way to start this uh, episode of the podcast. Right. I'm like, congratulations, <laughs> but <laughs> congratulations, your life about to be ass, dog. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We can't bullshit around anymore okay. because you came with a conspiracy theory that I'm so excited. Uh, oh, yes. One that one that we have not touched, one that that I think, frankly, deserves to be touched. It is such a common conspiracy theory that I I personally know quite a few people who have argued that this is a true to life thing. You said my mama told me. Black people can't swim. Yes. (laughs) Tell me more. Tell me everything you know. Well, I feel like the irony of the situation is I grew up as a professional swimmer. So, yeah, there's a twist to that. But I heard it so often. It's so common. And that's why I was like, I think this would be perfect for the podcast. But even still to this day, when I tell people I swim professionally, 
it's like that response, like, really? What? Oh, yeah. no. Where? And then I'm like, I went to an HBCU. No, not nah, HBCU and a swim team. So, and it's always like, I didn't know. I didn't know. And there's this common theme of like, black people can't swim. And then now I'm like this unicorn because I swam my whole life from the age of six competitively up until college, 22. So, Damn. but I, it, it, I, I, I see where the truth comes from because statistically, you know, we're the minority in this sport, just like a lot of sports that you have for that are like, I feel like catered to white people. Um, yeah. Only because it's like a luxury. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the sports that we have was like, you know, something you can you can do in your your, your garage or you know, you're like the driveway. But swimming is like, yeah. oh, you have you have to have a facility. You probably have yeah, to have a car to get the facility. Like, <laughs> I don't know where to buy a polo racket, and, <laughs> and I'm. And I have money, so I don't even know. That's, you know what I mean? I, like this is why I feel like it's strategy. You know, like this is why I feel like it's it's a conspiracy in that, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so a, a lot of black people don't actually know how to swim, and it's often that you'll even travel to a Caribbean, you know, country, and they're surrounded by water, and they can't even swim, right? So right. Um, this is this is well, just. A common conversation that people always say and believe and think. So, well, let me let let's back up a little bit okay, because you're, you're I think you're getting to a lot of very important truths. But I I've got more questions for you even okay. in the beginning of this. Okay, so you grew up swimming. You from age six, you said you were already somebody threw I you was, in the water. I was they said, in the water swimming. at the age of six months. So I was my my dad actually was a swim instructor. So my dad taught me how to okay. swim. Okay. So I was in the pool. I'm the youngest of seven. So my older siblings were already swimming. And then when I was born, we were put in the water immediately. And then from the age of six, we joined the swim team in Atlanta. And we competed on that same swim team up until the age of college. And then we went to college on a full scholarship. And I say we because I have a twin sister. So we went to college on a full scholarship for swimming at University. Was one of you better than the other? So, yes, my sister was faster than me. But it was like, Damn. it was points, it was like <laughs> point zero of seconds, which is very significant hey. in a sport. But I have to I admit, don't know. <laughs> I have to admit gracefully that, yes, she was faster than me. <laughs> Damn. So I, I got to get her on the podcast because I'm talking no, to the well, slow no, one no, here. No, you're this not. Is... But this is so, this is, <laughs> this is the twist to it. My sister was only fast in two events and one stroke. I was fast in four events and all of the strokes. So I was mm. actually, yes, I was actually more decorated as a swimmer. But so you were a more uh, versatile, more round, yeah, just rounded out swimmer. Exactly, but she, she could nail certain strokes. She had that good. one stroke, and she would kill it, and that would be that that one event for her. And then, but for me, like say if you were you were doing a relay, I could go, I could even do hers or someone else's, and it still be great. You understand what I'm saying? So. Did y'all ever do some sister sister shit and, uh, oh, and, and fake it? Absolutely, I paid my really? sister to swim some of my events. We would like we had different color swim caps, and no one could tell us apart. So we would like switch swim caps and 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 just do each Whoa. other. It was and and sometimes like when we were younger, they actually mixed us up. So like it wasn't even strategized for us to swim each other events. They just fucked up. Like oh, I thought that was I thought that was Anina. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, damn, we, and I have I've seen both of y'all, and it is tough to tell y'all apart. 
I it, and listen, I haven't spent enough time around y'all, but it stressed me the fuck out when I saw both of you together. Uh, <laughs> yes, we've done sister sister stuff all the time, especially when it came to swimming, because my coach made sure we swim all the events. So that's even like the long ones. And we didn't want to. So I'd be like, yo, I'll give you twenty dollars if you take care of this 200 breaststroke for me. And she's like, OK, no problem. <laughs> I love that. No, OK, let me ask you this. Growing up, you're swimming. Are you competing against white people? Are you competing in predominantly black spaces? Who Who is your All competition as you're swimming? All white people. It's Whoa. nothing but white people. So I swam for uh, USAA Swimming, uh, which is like the national, you know, comp, like, Conference, the whatever, yeah, the organization. And so you would, out of the whole organization, you have about maybe one to two percent of black and other swimmers. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't even just black, it was like anybody other than white. It was, it filled that two percent out of the whole nation. So, um, it, so swimming is a predominantly, or was, I should say, a predominantly um, white sport when I was growing up. So we were like the only black team. And because because of like the the height of the competition, like we would go to uh, junior Olympics, we would go to zones, we would go to like high regional uh, meets. It would it would get even it would get worse. It would be like two black people at that meet. You know what I mean? So right. even in my swim team, like even in the team, you had to be fast enough. And if you were as fast to go to those events, now it would become like it would just be you and your friend there. Damn. Okay, so so you're going to these predominantly white spaces. You're competing against almost entirely white people. Mm-hmm. Is there a part of you at this point, because you're growing up with a black dad who's teaching y'all how to swim, who's encouraging you, clearly is is coaching you well because you're competing on the junior Olympic level. Is Is there a part of you that still has the black people can't swim running in your head? Or are you like competing like, no, nah, I don't give a fuck about none of that. And I'm going to bust y'all ass. Um, well, I, it was more like, I see why black people don't swim. <laughs> mm. it, it, was, it was more like, I, I see why we don't do this. It's a lot. Like, you know, especially yeah. as a black woman, you know, you, you, I'm competing against these white people. And after the swim meet is over, you know, the white girl goes in the locker room, she sprinkles water on her hair, put on a little eyeliner, and she hops out of the locker room, <laughs> and it's a new day. Meanwhile, I'm over here setting conditioner, putting a shower cap <laughs> over my head, doing a little twist out, trying to, and it's still coming out with a little bed to not, you know, scar coming yeah. out, you know, and so I, I would say more so because of the response that I will always get, because people are like, oh, I didn't know you swim. I didn't black people don't swim. That's that was like just a common thing growing up. But also as I was competing and and swimming, I was like, I see, I see why we don't do this. This this is a lot. You know, I had eczema skin right. issues. It just it wasn't conducive. You know what I mean? Like it just is. You know, it was a lot. Dry skin on a black person. You know, but things things are different now, especially with the chemicals that they use with the water and especially like hair products and all of that. But growing up, it was it was tough. Well, that's what I was going to ask, because I have to assume and this is this is me putting my conspiratorial hat on. I Come have on. to assume yeah. that there's. Yeah, I'm a tip it. I'm a yeah, tip it in yeah. a second. And I'm with there, you. <laughs> I have to assume that there's there's an instinct or at least an unwillingness to change 
the the form of the water of the chemicals of all the things because it doesn't negatively affect the people that they're they're most trying to service right exactly and there exactly. has to be a way to make water with a little bit of lotion in it or just a, a tad bit of conditioner cooked in that chemical just that it wouldn't do as many harsh things to black skin and black hair as as it's done in the past. Exactly. And even even just the design of the swimsuit, you know, we're more curvy, you feel me? Like we're they're making these mm-hmm. swimsuits for boxes. I mean, you know, no no disrespect, but respectfully. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> <laughs> No disrespect, but you guys are shaped like SpongeBob. Yeah, yeah. And that's not <laughs> And even like the shower, like the the swim cap, you know, usually, you know, we have larger hair. Like I know growing up, I had to wear braids. Well, that was just more conducive than wearing my hair out because it Mm -hmm. was such a stress. And so now, like, are you going to design a swim cap that is great for performance, but also something that, you know, can can keep all of my hair inside? So it it was it was definitely little little things like that. But I think it's just. Yeah, I mean conspiracy and then also just like we wasn't growing up like I'm about to swim that wasn't something mm-hmm. like do you even know how to swim makes it well I don't like how you said that yeah. uh, I do <laughs> I I am uh <laughs> I am not a strong swimmer I'll say that uh but that is more as a result of my anxiety it is not a, a result of me not being taught I was okay. taught okay. for years uh, I went to, you know, I was one of them kids that grew up in like after school programs where they would like make you go take swim lessons and Got whatnot. Mm-hmm. I just could never relax enough in the water to to get Trust like it. the breathing down. Yeah. Got and you. do it correctly. That makes but sense. I plenty of people put resources behind me Trying at least to get learning. You right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. That makes sense. So <laughs> so I don't I don't know if you remember this. There was that as you were talking about the swim caps and all that, it reminded me that this past Olympics, I think, there was that big controversy of the black woman who had like, I guess, invented a larger swim cap that was meant to be more accommodating for black hair. And then the Olympics committee came down and was like, nah, we don't know that shit. So you got to get rid of it. Like, it, it does seem like a very intentional effort to at least not be accommodating right. for the needs of a different type of swimmer. Yeah, and often it's because they never had to. They never had mm-hmm. to be accommodating. You're, you're looking at years of years of years. And even now, like, we're just now seeing Black swimmers in the Olympics, right? Like, even... So I wanted, what was the first year? Cause it was, it had to be like around when I was in college. So it wasn't too long ago. And that's when you saw, uh, I don't want to mess up his name, but it was like one black guy in the Olympics. And then we had yeah. one more. And then now it's like two. So we're like, why would they be accommodating or why would they, you know, even go out their way to do that when we're still looking at a lower number of black swimmers? at that level of competition. Yeah, and and to some extent, I I don't even... This doesn't justify the decision at all, but it definitely rationalizes it where I don't even think that sometimes what they're doing is like an overt malicious racism as it is like Black people are like, yo, this would make my swim 
experience more simple, easy, comfortable, whatever it is. And they're like, yeah, but if we change the rules, mm-hmm. the rules are just changed and y'all niggas are just here for a week. Right. Like you're, yeah, you're temporary yeah, 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 in our yeah. minds. Or like, or you have these type of organizations where they hold so much weight in the rules that they just, they, they don't want to change it just because of the honor of tradition. You know what I mean? Like yes. you have, like you, it's stubbornness too. That yes. energy as well. Um, so yeah, definitely not condoning it, but that, that level of understanding can just kind of give you an idea of where everybody kind of might be coming from. Yeah. It's Serena Williams wearing that cat suit. And everybody freaked the fuck out because they're like, "This you can't wear a cat suit." But it's like, "But the bitch look good in a cat suit. Let exactly. her wear the cat suit." But exactly. they're like, "But tradition says mm-hmm. cat suits are not what we wear when we do the thing." And it's like, I don't know, man. It go hand in hand, and, and also a level of control too. But that's why you have the different views and opinions on either side. But um, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. Hopefully, I haven't really been following too close, but hopefully. I know now as I move forward, even as I've like taught lessons and I see more black people are swimming. So that's that's the good thing. Is your son a swimmer? Does he swim? He, he is. He is. I, I He actually taught. So uh, the same way my dad taught me how to swim, my dad actually taught him how to swim, too. But the beauty of it was he would bring him to my swim lessons. So it was like, oh, nice. yeah, yeah, it was, it was actually really nice. So he was a little baby taking my little mommy and me classes, but mommy was teaching a class and granddad was standing in as the parent. So oh hell in, yeah, he's been in the water since he was a small baby, which been a, is amazing. Okay. Yeah. So. so he's a strong swimmer. You are keeping this tradition going. Yeah. Well, the pandemic kind of hurt us. What I will want to tell people is like with swimming, just like with any skill, if you don't do it after a while, you lose it. So we actually mm-hmm. just was, we was on vacation and my, my cousins was like, he can't swim. He can't swim. And I was like, no, he just forgot. So I had to kind of just get him <laughs> in the water. <laughs> I had to get in the water with him and remind him who he was and where he came from. And sure. it was good. But you swimming is like one of those skills where you can't take, it's like stand up. So like you can't take a week off and then you about to come and just crush it. Like it's, this is, a you got to keep, you got to keep using this muscle. So yeah. And I do think, and to your point, I do think that's something I I want to consider. I want to find myself in a space where I can go like, oh, all right, this is an excuse not only for this person to to begin to break uh, a, a history, right? An ugly history of Black people either being associated with not swimming or actually not swimming. But on top of that, a chance for me to to now uh, reconsider some of the decisions I've made as an adult of like, I don't swim. That's not my thing. Like, nah, maybe I could be a swimmer and I can use this baby as a, as an excuse to do that. It's never too late. <laughs> Have you seen those videos when they just like throw newborns in like uh big ass pools? <laughs> yes. And then naturally they, so I'm like, I don't know what they, I don't know what part of the world this in, but it's so crazy because growing up, that would be the, trauma behind all of my friends and swimming 
it would be yeah. like I was thrown into the pool and that was like the last time they swam because it was like sink right. or swim, right? So you had those people <laughs> who kind of like doing their own stroke and they like, I made it. And then other people like, I will never touch the water again because that was traumatizing. So Right. <laughs> and that that's the weird dance that we're I think we're all dealing in is like you want to be able to learn to swim, but you don't want trauma attached to it. And unfortunately for Black people, I think very few things that we have aren't uh, at least somewhat associated with trauma. Isn't that, that's just, this? And that's the conspiracy right there. They just, they just want to kill us mentally. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hold on. So that's how they get you. That's how they get you because, <laughs> oh boy, is there, is there not a lot that isn't at least somewhat associated with uh, the destruction of our minds and spirits. We can't spirits. have nothing. Can't have nothing. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more Amina and more My Mama Told Me. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. And we are back oh my god wow oh my god 
Yeah, we're back here with more Amina Imani, more My Mama Told Me. We're still talking about the possibility that Black people can, in fact, swim. And Amina is proof of that. Her and her twin sister prove it, and and the son, too. Everybody's proving (laughs) that Black people do have the potential to swim. When when you were growing up as a swimmer, were you made fun of? Were you guys picked on for being the weirdos who were excited to be in water when everybody else was like, nah, that shit's weird. We don't do that. No. So we weren't so we weren't picked on because it wasn't something that everybody saw. Like we swam, but it was always at a distance to school and wherever else we were. So when we were swimming, it was with other people who were swimming. But what we were picked on was about, like, our appearance. (laughs) So, yeah, the ashiness, your hair, you know. Yeah, like, even down to how we dress because swimming is not really the most affordable. Or it wasn't the most affordable sport. And it was three of us. And so um, my mom was a single mom at the time. So... It was like, we paying for events. We paying for swim meets and stuff. So it's just like, right. y- y'all going to get sneakers once every, you know, blue moon. And so we weren't never the kind of kids who were as stylish or with the end. So we were made fun of, I feel like, in indirectly to what it was that we had to pay for with swimming, but it wasn't because we swam. And actually, when it was time for swim pool parties and stuff, that was our time to shine. So it wasn't like, you can pick on us because it's like, you don't have the skills that I have. So that was actually our time to like be like, ah, we swim, we in the water, I'm doing backflips, right. handstands. <laughs> yeah, but like when you would come to school every day looking dry, it was just like, oh yeah, we about to, we getting on you. Right. These these kids don't know that you're, they think you're just crusty, but they don't know you're crusty because be- you're champions. Is, you feel me? You, <laughs> say it again. Like, I like how you put it like that. <laughs> They think you just woke up and you didn't wash your ass, but it turns out you've been very wet and and wet, wet in the in the coolest way possible that they are not even aware of. Exactly. Those kids had no idea. But you know what? Listen, I have no student loans now. So who had the last laugh? You feel me? Well, they had the last laugh, but uh, (laughs) they laughed in your face. And now they probably can't hear you because they work at McDonald's. But that said, (laughs) good for you for sticking with it and not letting being ashy at school deter you from from following your dreams, really. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Let's jump into some of this research because I did find quite a bit on this conversation of whether or not black people can swim. And according to a 2008 study, it actually showed that more than 58 percent, 58 percent of black kids in America cannot swim. That is what they reported. And black kids drown at nearly three times the rate of their white counterparts in this country. Yikes. Yeah. But now 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 when you drop the statistics like that. Yes. Ooh, that sounds like a strategy right there. Not three times. Wow. Three times. That's a lot of fucking drowning black babies. You know what I mean? That is that, not good. That is and people need to hear this. See, see, put your kids in the water. That's, that's crazy. I I didn't know I didn't know it was like that. That's wild. So I 
I wanted to look up where the origin of this is, right? Mm -hmm. Like, why is it that all of this is happening? And it seems like the cause is largely related to, and you talked about this earlier, access. Access. So in the late 19th and early 20th century, there were almost no pools being built in predominantly black areas. Mm -hmm. They're they're like Mm -hmm. saying emphatically, we are not building swimming pools in places where Black people live. Mm. Then the 20s and 30s come around, and they start to actually build public pools all over uh, cities, all over these larger sort of like urban areas. However, it's also kicking into the era where we start to do the separate but equal shit, right? Mm. Where they basically say like, you get a swimming pool, you get a swimming pool, y'all can't swim together. However, the white swimming pools that they're building, these large white public swimming pools, I'll read you some of the description that they had for them. It's basically some of them were larger than football fields surrounded by grassy lawns and concrete sun decks. However, the black ones, the pools that black people were assigned to, were often extremely small indoors and had none of the comparable amenities. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So basically, wow. white people get to go lo- lounge on like a a fake beach uh, right, of a pool, right. and, and black people get to go into like a a school auditorium with exactly. like a, a bucket in the middle of it. That is ridiculous, but and and that's all I would think about even growing up because as it as it gotten down to like us trying to be as competitive as our counterparts. We just, it was really no chance. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I was going to a school that was like 40 minutes away and then the pool was another 40 minutes away. So I'm only practicing once out of the day, which is after school, as opposed to my counterparts, the pool is at their school. So they start their morning swimming, they go to classes and then they go to, to back to practice in the afternoon. So now I'm competing against someone who's training twice a day. It's way more convenient for them. And and that's that's the disadvantage. That was the disadvantage growing up for yeah, and, the, the entire time. And even to your earlier point, it also is even if like functionally you and your your mom had figured out some way of transporting you to this space, it still also is a separate check that needs to be like written out to make sure that you're getting the same amount of practice that is already cooked into the bill of, you know, white education, the the white upbringing, like they have the pool already a part of their daily lives. Exactly. Yep. 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 Wow. Mm. So to that that same point, and this is an example of sort of like the differences in these experiences in the mid 1930s in St. Louis, black Americans represented 15 percent of the population in that city, which is surprisingly low for St. Louis. That's a nigga ass city. But the (laughs) point is they only took one and a half percent of the number of swims in the city, one and a half percent, because they were only allocated one small indoor pool, whereas the white residents of St. Louis had access to nine pools, wow. two of which were as large and sort of like sprawling as the ones that I described earlier. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's nothing but but white people with resources and black people with one real sad chlorine tank. Exactly. I, I, I'm just grateful that you know, I grew up in Atlanta where my coach, my coach didn't play that. He was he was just a huge advocate for us swimming. And he also went out of his way to make sure we had access to get to practice, even to the point where he'll pick us up 
He also assisted with like our swimming fees. So I'm just, yeah, my, my shout out to Coach Tommy, um, Tommy Jackson. Uh, he, he's been in the game for years, years, yeah. like at minimum five decades of coaching. And he actually took a black Haitian swimmer to the Olympics, the last Olympics, Nicole. I don't want to mess up her last name. Um, and she she made it to the Olympics, so that was a big deal for him because Damn. that was like one of his goals to have a, a you know one of us. Like even now, he still be trying to get us back in the pool, and I'll be like, I'll be like, let <laughs> let it let it go. Like Playboy, I'm thirty. You let, it, let it go. Like let it, but you could do masters. Let it let it go. I'm not. <laughs> oh, so he's like a real Terrence Howard type in that. Yes. What, what was that movie? Yeah, Swim it, Boys. I don't yeah, know what it was Pride. called. I think it was called Pride. <laughs> yeah, Pride. That's what it was. <laughs> I called it Swim Boys, but it's called yeah. Pride. Yeah, that's terrible. Don't do that again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I never watched that movie, but, but I'm even sure growing it was up, very he gave inspiring. us he they 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 we had jobs too. So it was like when it when it did get difficult, we worked as lifeguards during the summer, so we were able to train, practice. You know, and and work and make some money. So yeah, shout out to him for doing that. But as you can see, they was trying to they was trying to hold us back. And I think I think even more to that point that also, and you talked about this earlier that you uh, for you I assume for a while maybe you still do it, but you were teaching swim classes, and that that is how you create culture. It isn't mm-hmm. just put a person in a swimming pool and teach them to swim. It's make it so that I, not only is, is are my relationships in the water, but my money is in the water. My community as a whole is connected to this space. So I always have a reason to go back, which is in essence what white people intentionally were, were making sure wasn't happening for these black people in the 20s and 30s. Yeah. And I feel like still low-key to this day, but people are making it a point to do what they got to do. Yes, mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is worth addressing, because obviously in, in many cities, there were actual policies being put in place to ensure that Black people were designated to specific pools. But that wasn't actually an option everywhere. The separate but equal thing wasn't wasn't fully a thing that they they could make into law in every single city and every single state. And so what white people did, if they were in a state or a city that didn't allow for separate but equal laws, would they they used violence, essentially. So there are plenty of instances. For example, there's a pool that sort of became infamous during this time in Highland Park, Pittsburgh, where white swimmers were encouraged to beat any black people who entered the water at their public pool. That like they had multiple instances of like black boys like hopping the fence or making it into the swimming pool. And then they were told to beat them and dunk them until they ran for their lives out of the water. See what I'm saying? And just imagine if that was your daddy. You ain't never learning to swim ever in your life. Absolutely not. That is traumatic as hell. And you also have to assume that these are young kids because that's who would break into a swimming pool. I don't Mm -hmm. know a lot of like, again, I'm 34. 
my knees ain't, I'm not hopping fences no more. I'm pretty comfortable. <laughs> if you don't let me through the door, I will go home. I'm yeah, yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm but at fit. 16, I would have hopped the shit out of a fence and had a good time in a pool that I wasn't supposed to be in. And those kids are then being attacked by grown men who are presuming to protect, I guess, their their innocence the by by getting these black people out of the pool? It's because they know we're going to beat them at their own game, too. That's that's really, really, really what it comes down to. You give it to so, us, and yeah. we're going to be better than you. That's, that's, and, and, and even, even as we were growing up, it was just like, you training twice a day, I'm training once a day, and we had the same, we had the same block. What's up? Uh-huh. It, it, yeah. really, it really boils down to it's like because, you know, I'm going to be better than you. Right. And this you're saying this is a, a deep seated fear I'm, that like I I could take the position you've built so much pride in. And so subsequently, you just try to uh, keep me out. Fear of will make people act and show they ass. Look, you got grown men beating kids and it's just like. Yeah. What's valid? A hundred percent. Yeah, so it, it really boils down to that, though, sometimes. It's like, because you know, you know what it is. So more to that that conversation of fear, then in the 40s and 50s, so 30s and 20s and 30s, they're beating ass and, uh, yeah. and I guess not taking names in the swimming pool. But then in the 40s and 50s, these segregation laws start to drop away, right? They're no longer able to to segregate the swimming pools the way that they planned. And so instead, what happens is something called white flight. A bunch of the white swimmers that previously were going to these public pools decide they no longer want to be a part of these public communities mm-hmm. and instead start building private Private. pools in their Mm -hmm. own communities and Mm -hmm. or in their own homes. So that's when country club, Mm -hmm. yeah, golf clubs, Mm -hmm. all the clubs start to build their shit. Or I just build one in my backyard and I avoid any interaction with niggers anywhere. You know what I mean? It goes back to money, resources, privileges, luxuries, things that are not afforded to everyone. And uh, I just... I love a good tired gas. Just right. Just somebody can't even bring themselves to to finish how frustrated they are uh, in this whole experience. Because people this ain't is gonna make shit. Even, White people ain't shit. They're <laughs> not shit. And this is where it gets even more insane because they start to run to these country clubs, these golf clubs, these private facilities. And then that shift subsequently makes the government stop putting resources mm-hmm. into public facilities, which means that the public pools that did exist either get shut down mm-hmm. or stop getting the maintenance that they deserve. Mm-hmm. And black people are once again left without any options for swimming, swimming. which is why. Why today we have so few public pools and why so few black people even feel a willingness to go to them. Yes. It's real tiring, dog. Exhausted. <laughs> let's let's turn this uh this fun game for a second because this part I've always found pretty hysterical and I'm curious to hear your thoughts as a a black swimmer. There's also a conspiracy theory that I think is so funny that white people believe the reason black people can't swim is because we have denser bones than our white counterparts. That we are, uh, we, our bones are, are basically heavier and denser and it makes us less prone to fractures, but it also means that we sink when we get in the water. 
Your thoughts? <laughs> Boy, why people come up with anything? Who said and thought of that? <laughs> they got them heavy bones. They can't. Y'all they got can't them swim. heavy bones. Y'all. Okay. So that is, this is what pe- white people made up. Well, it's interesting. I, and I'm glad you said made up because as it turns out, and I did some research, I okay. thought I similarly thought this was completely made up. But as it turns out, there is some evidence to suggest that bone density is higher in black people versus our, our white counterparts. However, the the density that we're talking about is not enough to make a difference in our buoyancy. Do you know what I mean? And certainly not the buoyancy of the entire race. This is sort of like an <laughs> averaging out that basically says that black people oftentimes require less vitamin D and less calcium than our white counterparts. And we do technically report less fractures than than white yeah, people. But is and it will go back to the significance because even as you look at babies, as you said, people throwing them in pools and it, it's a natural instinct for us to swim. You feel me? Like mm-hmm. just as being as a human. So why would someone now try to dissect that and say, yeah, 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 y'all bones too heavy anyway, so let it go. Yes. Like that that's you that's why it sounds made up. Even if there is some truth around it, it's like it's not about to be that serious for us not to be able to swim. Exactly. It's not enough to keep us from swimming. And it, to your your earlier point, it really is just a way of justifying mm-hmm. the racism that they already are sort of trying to see see through. Right. Right. Like, uh, another example of the things that they they started to say in order to keep black people from entering public pools back in the 20s and 30s was they argued that black people were dirtier than white people, that they were just a, a filthier. Oh, yeah. Bunch. You know, like our and, skin color is going to come off. Obviously. Yes, exactly. Yeah, like you put water to this and I'm telling you, like <laughs> immediately just the whole pool is going to be black. You know, so that's obvious. We just ain't washing our ass yeah, and that's why the color just, is the way You can look is. at me and see that I'm going to leave a whole lot of black everywhere. <laughs> Trail black well, they, shit. They, not only did they claim that black people were dirtier, but they also claimed that by allowing them into the water, more transmittable diseases were going to be spread by our presence, by the physical presence of black people in a public pool. <laughs> the dumbest shit ever. <laughs> it's all dumb. My favorite, eh, second favorite, my favorite yeah. is them dense ass bones. My yeah, second yeah, yeah. favorite example of why they also were afraid of black people getting in the water is because they were they specifically especially were afraid of the possibility that black men would be swimming in public spaces with white women that they thought that black men were going to use this opportunity to take advantage in some form of these white women by either brushing up against them under the water or seducing them with their their ethnic bodies. Just whatever they could do to, to get white women attracted to them or uncomfortable around them, this was their way of protecting their precious whites. You know what the, I mean? The precious white women that are fighting for the feminism every day as we sit here for life. <laughs> this is, or you, this or is you the arguments that they made. And I think similar to the ones that we were talking about earlier, it is all a justification mm-hmm. to make them feel they don't less know, They know insane. they don't care about them white girls. Yes. <laughs> you know damn well you don't care about them white girls. Stop playing no. with us. 
You're very mean to them. You don't care for them at all. <laughs> you just don't want us to be mean to them the way you're mean to them. So the last thing I'll run past you, uh, mm-hmm. because I do think that this is a an interesting point that I sort of found myself digging into. Yeah, you, you uh, went in. You was all in in this. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, this is literally all I have is yeah. uh, talking to people over the, the podcast. It's it's my life now. And I, I hate my life. No, I'm going to end it all someday. <laughs> but for now, this well, is all I got. Hop in that pool, <laughs> sir. <laughs> so, I don't. I'm assuming you're familiar with Simone Manuel. She she's the black woman who won gold at the Olympics. She's sort of like a, a person that keeps getting pointed to as like an exceptional swimmer, this awesome person, blah 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 blah. And one of the things that I found myself sort of realizing as I was unpacking some of this research, and I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this, is that I don't actually think that it's good for us anymore to keep sort of like pointing at black people and saying they're the first black person to do this thing, the first black woman to win a gold medal in swimming or black woman to do this or this or this, whatever, because it is now becoming justification for white people to say that the systemic oppression that has been in place for generations is not actually a problem. That like every time we sit around and just over celebrate ourselves for being the first, we're only making a a weird sort of exceptionalism in that individual Mm -hmm. and not actually allowing white people to see the way that systemic oppression is attacking all of us. Yeah, I think there's always a a, a yin and a yang with everything. And, and, And to that point, I honestly understand why. It would make sense to not do that. However, comma, growing up. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a little caveat. Just, well, this is the thing representation does matter, you know? And it like does. growing up, you know, you, you even have me and my sister in a predominantly white sport with, with so much potential. We could have been the first Simone, what was her last name? Manuals. Manuals, right? But when you don't see that and when it's not common and then it disconnects that belief. So I know Mm -hmm. for a long time, even in being something so great, there was a lack of vision because there was no Simone Manuals. You understand? So that's why sometimes that praise is important because, you know, you know, the youth need to see it. They need right. to know that they're capable and it, it is an opportunity for you, them to do this. Not to tell white people, not in the same sense, be like, yeah, white people, okay, now y'all are doing good. But in a sense of, okay, we need to see that this is something that we can accomplish and it needs to continue to be strived for because it's, if not, it will continue to just be one Simone Manuals ever so often. You understand what I'm saying? And I... I like that point because I do think that it in in some ways, I think I I feel like what I'm hearing is it's more important for us to use representation to show us than it is to show white people. And maybe that is the danger of the representation that that I'm talking about and where we can kind of meet in the middle of this shit is saying that, like, I don't think it's good for us to keep announcing to white people, look how good we can be. Mm -hmm. I think it's more important to announce to each other, look how good we can be and ignore whatever the white interpretation of that is. 
and not even look how good look how good you are. We we are great. Mm. We are Ooh, amazing. Shit. We don't so. and and, and, <laughs> and we never hear that. We haven't been hearing that for so long. So that that's the whole idea. I, I'll never. I, I took a trip to Ghana recently, and it was three little girls at the resort swimming. And I had to sit back and be like, damn, I don't even really remember what I looked like as a little girl in the pool, mm-hmm. you know? And so I had the opportunity to go over there and teach. And it was like, they were elated to see that I could swim, you know what I mean? And they were like even more excited to show me that they could swim. Like, And it wasn't as like, they were just learning and, you know, like, look what I could do, putting their face in the water. But now they have a vision of like, oh, okay, like even as an adult, this is something I can t- continue to do and be great at. And so I think those, that's, that's just way more important than, than, you know, clearing white people's conscience or, or thinking that these, this is where the effort is going into. Cause it's, it's so much right. more, it's so much greater than that. It's so much greater than that. And I just, I just know what it is to be a little girl and, and it was, it just wasn't there. So you you had no clue. You you're just painting on a blank canvas. So just imagine how great your picture would be if you already kind of see how amazing the picture is. It's gonna be even better. So we gotta keep that in mind and and and, and just just let people know we got the sauce and no matter how many times they build the pool and take it down, we listen, build your own pool, bruh. You got this. Build your own pool, bruh. What you doing? Hey, <laughs> Go ahead. Hey, <laughs> Put your kid in swimming license <laughs> and get your ass in the water. How about that? <laughs> All right. Well, you already here first, folks. Get your ass in the water. Yeah. Build your own pool, bruh. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with more Amina Imani, more my mama told me. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. 
Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. And we are back. Yeah, we're back here with more of me, Imani. More my mama told me. We're still talking about black people and swimming and Terrence Howard movies. Pride <laughs> is what it's called. It ain't called black boys. It's called pride. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> I'd love to play a game. Let's right. play. Let's play a game. This is a fun game. It's a classic game. It's our most classic game on the show. It's a a fun little game I like to call White, White Lies. Lies. You're ugly. You're disgusting. I'm going to kill you. Give me $200. White Lies <laughs> is a fun game where I, Amina, am going to introduce to you a classic white conspiracy, one that, that white people uh, supposedly have held on to for quite a while now. And what I would love for you to do is just unpack for me why you think white people care about this conspiracy theory so much. Okay. What do you think it is inside of this conspiracy theory that they are latching on to? What are these sneaky motherfuckers up to? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is this is an interesting one because I had never heard it before and I had to do a little bit of of research just to even make sense of it. But apparently Queen Elizabeth I, the Queen Elizabeth I, not the one that's in there now, not that old bitch, the one that was from uh, 1533. She was born in 1533. She died in 1603. They made a movie about her with uh, Saoirse Ronan, uh, whose name I just learned to pronounce correctly. She's she's that nice Irish lady that's in all the important films now. Anyway, Queen Elizabeth I, very old lady, apparently Uh, Some people believe that she was born a man, that she was actually a man and that uh, she wasn't born a man, excuse me, that she was replaced. She died very young and was replaced by a young boy who looked like her and basically held that position for the remainder of Queen Elizabeth I's life. And that's the reason why she never had sex with anybody. She didn't, she didn't bone, apparently. She was, she was uh, completely like a virgin, apparently. And the reason she was like that is because they claim that she was a boy. This is a lot for you to take in at once. But my question for you, Amina, is why do you think white people are holding on to this conspiracy so tightly? I mean, did she not have any kids? Like, what? What would? Is it? Is the? Is it the lack of legacy? Is it? Is, okay, was, so was I'll Queen, tell you, Was she ugly? Like, I'm. <laughs> I'm. I'm. That's. That's all I could think she, of. Like, either she, she didn't have kids, and they're trying to quite homely. Uh-huh. She was uh, uh, said to have been a homely woman. And I don't believe that she did Queen Elizabeth have a child because Queen she had no children. So that's Zero what, children. yeah, that's that's what all I could think of because like people come up with reasons, especially in those times. It's like she could be out there 
chopping wood and they like, oh yeah, she's definitely a man. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, 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 yeah. Like they, <laughs> anything that would be out of what a woman was constructed or supposed to be doing, that's why they would come up with this, this, I just what, what this is this is dumb but yeah so yeah <laughs> so you're you're it saying that because she ain't had no kids yeah like once once a woman didn't have kids now everybody had to come up with reasons like she's a witch or you know what i mean mm-hmm. like like all oh, she got a disease a life like everything got to be reasons for, just to explain that one little thing so that's the first you're thing saying I thought that of. That that the patriarchy is so embedded exactly. in, in the way that we interpret women mm-hmm. that the fact that she she did not bear children mm-hmm. meant that if there wasn't a magical explanation to that behavior, it it we couldn't make sense of a woman existing in this way. Exactly. A hundred percent. Yes. Thank you. So eloquent. Uh, you know, again, this is all I have. Yeah. I won't have it much longer. I'm going to end it all. But while I'm here. my job is to repeat back things that you've already said in different words that's the key to good podcast hosting yes 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 amazing well well amina i think we did it i did i think we we nailed this episode thank you so much this was a great time thank you you for having people hell yeah could you tell the people at home where they can find you and what cool shit you have going on yeah, so um, you can find me on my website, AminaImani.com. Um, I'm on social media, Amina Imani, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can look out for my set on Comedy Central that's dropping in November. I'm on Hulu, Up Early Tonight, a show on there. Yeah, and then if you just yeah go on my website, I think it's like some articles that spotlight things that I have done and stuff like that. So check me out. Hell yeah. Go on that website. Check her out. Yeah. Up late tonight. That's yeah. yeah. On Hulu. Do all that shit. You like, idiots. Yeah. And it, uh, as always, you can follow me at Langston Kerman. And please, if you have any drops, if you have any conspiracy theories of your own, if you have anything that you would like me to see, you can send it to mymamapod at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Otherwise, bye, bitch. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.